Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. Good morning, please pray with me. Father in heaven, we do give praise to you for your son Jesus, born in Bethlehem. Come as the baby king. And as we enter into your presence, Lord, on this day, in this place, with this people, it's our desire, Lord, that each of us would grow in your grace and your mercy, and your love. So as we continue in worship, as we look at the scriptures, God, minister to us, teach us, and change us through the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. So as Doug and Brad both have mentioned, we are at our Festival of Lessons and Carols today. If you're there wondering, wow, how did they come up with this? We didn't. We didn't come up with this at all. It's actually a tradition that's been going on since 1918. In 1918, at King's College in Cambridge, England, there was a young minister who had this great idea. His name was Eric Milner White. And Milner White thought that the Church of England needed more imagination, more ingenuity in their worship. Don't you just love these young preachers? And so he, he formed and put together this creative idea of nine lessons and carols, and it's been going on ever since. In fact, it's been broadcast since 1928 all over the world. You can log in this month and listen or watch online and check out what's happening at King's College. It's a really cool thing. It even took place during World War II. They had taken the stained glass windows out of the church and for fear that they'd be bombed out. And they still had lessons and carols even that year. What a great thing. And we get to join together with it. I love it. I mean, the church isn't just Christ Church or Grove Farm. The church spans time and it crosses geographic boundaries. And we are a part of that family through Jesus Christ. Amen? It's an exciting thing. So we're participating in that very thing here today. Milner White had a great quote. I love this. He, he was talking about this, this service that he planned. And he said this, the main theme is the development of the loving purposes of God. Isn't that good? The loving purposes of God. That's what you've seen here today through, through song as we've sang, as we've listened to the scriptures read. It's the loving purposes of God being brought to our mind's attention. And what do we do? We worship God in light of that. It's what he's done. It's the big story. One of the verses that you heard this morning, Brad actually read it, came from the Old Testament book of prophecy of Micah, Micah chapter 5. And I think that's a really good one for us to focus in because Micah both reaches back to the past and looks forward to the future as he talks about the coming Messiah. Let me give you a little background, okay? Micah was writing his book of prophecy. He was speaking these words 700 years before the birth of Jesus. 700 years, imagine that, long time. And here's what was going on in Israel. 
Try to put yourself in these shoes. The Assyrians had captured the northern kingdom of Israel. And the 10 tribes of Israel were in captivity. These were really, really dark days in Israel. You know, I looked outside today at 10 o'clock in the morning and it was like pitch black outside. And I thought to myself, welcome back to Pittsburgh, right? <laughs> this, is, this is life. I've forgotten that the sun doesn't shine here for most of the winter. These were not just dark days where there was cloud and gray skies. These were really dark times in Israel. Can you imagine being taken into captivity? You, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, destitute, abused, hungry, in want. This is the state of the people of Israel when Micah speaks to them. And you have to imagine that, that these Israelites were asking questions. They're asking questions. Has God rejected us? Has our sin led us to this point where God said, I'm done with Israel? They had to be wondering about their future. Is there any hope for us? Israel felt like she was sinking. Perhaps sinking so far that there was no return, no hope of coming back. I can only imagine that this morning, some of you feel this way. I know for a fact that there are people who feel like they're sinking. I was talking to a friend out in the lobby in the commons before this service, and he was telling me about a friend of his. And this friend has a child who's autistic. And because of what their family is facing, because of the challenges in their home, what's going on with their son, this, this man said to his friend, who I talked to not in the commons, he said, you know what? I've about given up on God. I don't think he listens to me. Maybe he, listened, maybe he listens to you. Maybe he talks to you. But I don't feel like he's talking to me. I don't feel like he's listening to me. That's how Israel felt. Do you feel that way today? Listen, if you're wondering if you're rejected, if you're wondering if there's any hope for the future for you, if you are wondering if there's any way out of this sinking feeling that's happening in your family, in your life, let me tell you, this, this book, Micah chapter 5, this is for you. This is the message of Christmas. And listen, it's a prophecy what Micah does is he gives a prophecy to Israel, a prophecy. Now, you tend to think of prophecy and you think that's predicting the future. It's much more than that. I'd love to share with you my current favorite definition of prophecy, which put on the screens here. Check this out. Okay, here's, here's my current favorite definition of prophecy. Prophecy is speaking into a context in light of God's perspective in a way that enlightens and challenges the audience or the listener. That's what prophecy is. It's, it's bringing God's perspective into a situation. This context that the Israelites find themselves in, man, they needed God's perspective in a way that would enlighten them, give them some hope for their, for their family, for their ancestors, for Israel. They needed to be challenged to trust in God. Perhaps that's what you need today. In fact, I would suggest that all of us need that today. We all need a fresh opportunity, a challenge to trust God, to believe in his hope. Are you with me out there? This seems like a sleepy crowd. Come on, this is the, it's the best, most wonderful time of the year. Listen, I'm going to give you four 
Christmas truths here this morning, okay? Four Christmas truths. Here's the first one before we even dive into the text. And here's what it is. The first Christmas truth is this. Christmas reminds us that the Messiah is coming. What's Christmas about? Is it about the, the, the boxes and the bags? No. Is it about the Christmas ham? Not quite. That's pretty important, but not quite. Is it about the parties? Is it about the, the, the outfits and all this stuff? Of course not. You know what Christmas is about? It's about the reminder that the Messiah is coming. And that reminder is for a people who need it. Do you need a reminder today? Listen, the deliverer is coming. He's a deliverer. He was going to deliver Israel from her troubles. The Savior is coming. One who would come and rescue. Rescue from sin. Rescue from captivity. The Savior is coming. All the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus. And yes, to a people who are sinking. If you are sinking, if you feel the weight of sin, if your life feels like you're getting, you're falling into a pit, this is for you. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Let's, let's lean into this and look at it first. First of all, we have to look at Bethlehem. Bethlehem is key to understanding this prophecy from God for the Israelites. God saw to it that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And this is really interesting. First of all, it speaks to the fact that Jesus is a part of the Davidic family. The family of David. The lineage of David. That's part of the prophecy, but I think it's much more than that. You see, Bethlehem, and this verse alludes to it, Bethlehem was a really, really tiny, inconsequential place. Bethlehem was scarcely worth counting among the tribes of Israel. A really, really small place. Of all places for Jesus to be born, of all places for him to come into this world in human flesh, God chose Bethlehem. Now, why did he do that? Well, I think there's this great contrast here. And the contrast is this. It's the contrast between, between the, the, the insignificance of Bethlehem and the great significance of the one who would be born there. There's something in this for us. There's a message inherent in the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem for all of us. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 with me. Let's look at a few verses here. It speaks to how God works through things that seem insignificant. Listen to 1 Corinthians 1. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly, lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You see, God has done this wonderful thing and to make a real big point that's not about us. 
It's not our merit. It's not our obedience. It's not our greatness. It's none of those things. It's about his greatness and his goodness and his love. He sent him to be born in Bethlehem. So here's our second Christmas truth. The second Christmas truth is this. The Christmas gift of the Messiah is not given based upon our greatness. Santa may be keeping a list and checking it twice and find out who's naughty or nice. Jesus doesn't even have to do that because he knows that you're all naughty, especially you. (laughs) He knows it already. We are sinful. If you don't believe me, just go be with some kids on Christmas morning. See how ungrateful they are. See how they fight, right? All those things. We see that early in our lives, we are broken and sinful. And so what did God do? He gave us a great gift. The, the gift of Christmas, the gift of the Messiah at Christmas is not given based on our greatness, our obedience, our goodness. No, it's his goodness, his mercy. He has given this gift. That's a great Christmas truth. There's something else in this, this verse, Micah 5, 2, that I have to point out to you. Because I think it's really interesting wording. It speaks of one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old. It's really interesting, from ancient times. In some translations, here's how it's read. I wrote this down. In some translations, it says, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Here's what this means. This speaks to God's intent and Jesus' activity. Let's look first at God's intent. Okay, God's intent. Let me read you another verse. This is from the end of the story. Revelation chapter 13 says, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of this world. Jesus is that Lamb. He was slain when? Not on Easter Sunday, from the creation of the world, from the foundations of this earth. At the beginning of God's creation, he had intent. He had a plan. This wasn't plan B. It wasn't plan C. All along, God had intent, and it was to bring his son into this world, to be the Messiah, to save us from our sin. There's great intent here. That's why he's the one whose whose origins are from of old. That's why he's the one who's from everlasting, from ancient times. There's another element to this too. It's Jesus' activity. We tend to think of Jesus showing up in the flesh, finally coming on the scene. No, Jesus has always been on the scene. He is president of creation. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. See Jesus through this passage. He says, um, it says, he quotes quotes the Lord. He hears from the Lord. He says, surely they are my people. Speaking of Israel, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Listen. Jesus has always been present. He's present in the Old Testament. When the Israelites were in captivity, being led out of Egypt, who was with them? Jesus. He's the angel of the Lord. When Daniel, his friends, were in the fiery furnace, and the angel appeared to them, who was with them? Jesus. 
He's there. And in the same way in your life, when you feel like, well, where is God? I don't hear him. Does he hear me? Let me tell you, he is with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is with you. So listen, here's the third Christmas truth. It's this, Christmas isn't the beginning of the Messiah. He has always existed. There's never been a time when Jesus Christ wasn't in existence. He's all over the Old Testament. He's all over the New Testament. And he's all over your life too. You can turn to him. You can trust in him. It's an incredible truth. I think it'd be appropriate to share on this Lessons in Carol Sunday a story about a really famous, well-known Christmas carol. Let me tell you about it. So, in 1847, there was a French poet who was commissioned by the Catholic Church to write a poem for the Christmas Eve Mass. And so, this, this gentleman went about studying the Gospel of Luke, and he imagined what it would be like, what it would have been like to be present in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And so he set about and he wrote this glorious poem in French. I can't read it to you. I don't know French. But he wrote this great poem. He knew he had something that was really good. And so he asked a friend to write music to it. Music to accompany it. So this Jewish man who didn't believe in Jesus at all actually wrote the music for this great poem. Well, it got lost along the way. The French ultimately rejected this, this new song because the guy who, who ended up writing it became a socialist and a Jew had written it and they thought this song is no good. We don't want to sing this in our churches. One American came along, a man by the last name of Dwight, John Sullivan Dwight. And he heard this song and he saw how beautiful it was. And he thought, I have to take this back to America. And so John Sullivan Dwight brought the song back to America and he translated, Oh Holy Night, and introduced it to our culture. And it became something that was really for the times. You see, Dwight was an avid abolitionist. And at the time when he was introducing this song to the people, verse 3 resonated with him. Let me read you what verse 3 says. Verse 3 says, Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. You know, this reminds me of the prophecy that we find in Micah 4, 5. If you look at verses 4 and 5, let me read them to you. It's reflected really, this idea of the, his gospel is peace. Listen, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. He will be our peace. Israel, who is in dark times, Jesus is their peace. The hope of the Messiah is their peace. People who are in darkness here today, Jesus is your peace. He is your hope. Whether you find yourselves in the midst as a believer in challenging times, or if you've walked into this place and you haven't trusted in Christ as your Savior, and you're in darkness in that way, your peace is Christ. He is the chain breaker. He is the one who's gone before us and given us hope. And listen, we talk about peace on earth at Christmas time. Peace on earth truly begins with you and I. 
It's between us and God ultimately first. If there's going to be peace on earth, it's going to begin with you and I being right with God. And make no mistake about it. This is an issue of forgiveness. If you want to have peace with God, you have to experience the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for sinners. So let me ask you a question. Do you know the peace of the Savior this Christmas? It's a peace that passes all understanding. If there's going to be peace on earth, it's going to begin with us as a people experiencing the forgiveness of the Messiah, the Savior, the promised one. And it's not just for you and I. It's for our neighbor. It's for our brother. Do you hear the song? Chains shall I break because the slave is our brother. You know, yes, slavery, terrible thing in our history. It's it, 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 the freedom that we should have. The freedom of our brothers begins with Christ. The emancipation belongs and begins with Jesus. But it also now carries through us. There are people who are enslaved to sin in your circle. Family members, parents, neighbors, co-workers. We have a responsibility to help free them in the name of Jesus. And offer them through his gospel the forgiveness of sins which only he can grant. You and I can have peace between our brothers. Has someone wronged you? Has someone sinned against you and wounded you and hurt you? There's an opportunity for you to turn to Jesus and say, God, help me to forgive this person. This is what the essence of Christmas is. So here's our fourth truth, the final one. The Christmas peace of the Messiah begins with peace between us and God. It begins with peace between us and God. Have you made peace with God through Jesus Christ and received his forgiveness? If you have, who are you holding something against? Who has wounded you? Who's hurt you? This is the time, even today, in this season of Advent, in this season of Christmas, in light of what God has done, this is the day when we all should turn and say, the slave is my brother and I want to offer the forgiveness of God to him as well in hopes that this person, that you, will know the power of God and his love and his mercy and his grace through Jesus for us. I want to give you an opportunity to pray about this with the Lord right now. So would you bow your heads with me and pray along with me as I lead us. Oh, Father, truly you have taught us to love one another. Your law is love, Father. Your gospel is peace. We thank you, Lord, for the peace of Jesus. We have peace, Lord, through him alone. Peace with you, Lord. Forgiveness of sins. Grace. Father, if there's anyone in this room who has not experienced the peace that you offer through Christ, I pray, Lord, that they would know of your forgiveness today. If there's anyone who's come in here, and like the Israelites, they are in darkness I pray, Father, that they would see the bright light of Jesus breaking forth and they would have hope. And they would know, Lord, that you are a deliverer, that you are a savior. Talk to God. God, I need your forgiveness. God, I need your peace. Tell him. Father, if there's anyone in this room who, who needs to extend the same forgiveness to a brother or a sister, I pray, God, you would give them the strength to do that. Remind them of a person right now. Remind us of people whom we need to reflect your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy as a way of pointing them to Jesus, Lord. Bring those names to our attention. I pray, Lord, you would give us the strength to let go and forgive just as you have forgiven us in Christ. 
But Father, we love you. And we're grateful, Lord, that you are the chain breaker, that you are the one prophesied to the Israelites, Lord, that Jesus, your son, has come. And you are one with him. Thank you, God, for your love and your goodness and your mercy. God, help us all this Christmas season to truly experience it and know of your power for our lives. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. And God's people said, amen.